Welcome back to Horse Talk with Doc. This week we have a very special episode, one that might be sensitive for some folks in the audience. I talked to Joelle Nelson about euthanasia, the process of euthanasia when the time is right. This is going to be a two-part series. In the first part, we talk about when is the time to euthanize, maybe the importance of health insurance for your pet, and some decision-making and ways to make a decision uh, prior to euthanasia. Part two, we'll talk a little about the process of euthanasia in equine and in small animal, and uh, more about the grief process. Hope you find these uh, podcasts fascinating. Um, This is a kind of a different realm, but I think it's important that we realize that one of the advantages of veterinary medicine is that we are able to euthanize our patients and not let them suffer. This is never an easy decision to be be made, which is why I wanted to bring in Joelle Nelson, who is our certified social worker at The Ohio State. She helps families during the grieving process of pre and post euthanasia. This is a service that our hospital offers uh, to our patients. So um, sit back, relax, and again, this is could be sensitive issues that you might find uncomfortable and not want to listen to. And if that is the case, turn off the podcast and turn us back in two weeks. Enjoy the interview. When is the right time to make the decision and like what do you tell people? Right. Like, do you talk to people priests? Pre- I do more of that than pre-euthanasia. the post. Okay. Yeah. So I do a lot of um helping folks, you know, just discuss kind of the mm-hmm. pros and cons. Yeah. Like I know you know, you know, it's not my role to like tell them what to do, yeah. but a lot of times it's asking those <laughs> asking those questions yeah. that um sometimes people aren't comfortable asking mm-hmm. and so I will I, I will ask direct questions and so again something as simple as what are your thoughts on euthanasia because I again I know um, it's it, everyone is different mm-hmm. and so you I'm sure you've had I know it's not super common but those folks that don't believe in euthanasia yeah. at all no, and so get it right <laughs> so mm-hmm. getting that like right off the bat like you know what are your thoughts on it um often uh with clients like especially in the veterinarian role Mm -hmm. i i would ask like have you been through this before yeah because whatever their previous experience was may shape um how they're feeling now so if they had a really bad experience Mm -hmm. and obviously they might be scared i think also asking them like what questions do you have Mm -hmm. or even being available to them. So uh, I think a lot of times owners might be afraid to kind of bring up euthanasia. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of the flip side of like, oh my gosh, as a vet, like if I bring up euthanasia, the owner might get upset at me if we're talking about it too early. But I think it could go the other way too, where an owner, maybe they're thinking about it yeah. um, and the veterinarian hasn't brought it up. And I, I like, I kind of advocate really talking about the things earlier. Mm-hmm. So not just when you have an emergency and you're having to make that decision, but as you know, as the animal's getting older, 
if it has a terminal illness, talking about those things much earlier. So even for the client or for the veterinarian? Bo both, yeah. right? So I think the vet would probably be the better the one to bring it up. And I think just saying, hey, you know, whatever. I'll just use fluffy because that just <laughs> comes right to mind, you know, is getting older now and um, I just want you to know that if, if you ever have questions about quality of life issues, I'm here for you. So you're not really suggesting euthanasia mm -hmm. or even saying the word, but maybe just saying quality of life. Or if you ever have questions about like how his health is doing or, you know, if things are declining, I want you to know that I'm a person that you can, can ask those questions and feel safe, you know, feel safe doing that. Non-judgmental. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not being, like, afraid to bring something up. And then, again, I think, like I said, I think that works the same way with those folks that you're like, well, oh, wait a minute, Doc, what are you, <laughs> what do you mean we're talking about end-of-life issues or quality of life? And saying, again, like, it's better to think about things before it gets bad so how you know i've always said it would be really nice to have i say this to the students a lot you know if you go into practice it would be cool if you had a way to just maybe on their yearly visits so they're and maybe at a certain age so i don't know about horses and yeah. farm animals but i know with cats and dogs, they start doing different geriatric blood work mm -hmm. as they get older. Yeah, not as much with the horse, but yeah. But maybe there's a, like, you're like, okay, well, they're to the age where they're getting older, so we're going to start doing, like, this quality of life assessment every mm -hmm. year. And it's just part of the, you know, part of the appointment, a normal part of the appointment. So it's not like, here, we're giving you this form to fill out because we know your animal's sick <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. But let's, we can just look at this every year. Um, do you have a lot of veterinarians do that? No. <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, it makes sense to me, though, that you would... I, I've never done that with a client, but, to, you know, the older horse, because they yeah. always ask, and I'm always like, well, when it stops eating, it's time. Right, right, but right. maybe before that, we should have had a conversation, because for equine too it's not like they just don't bring their animal to me to exactly. be euthanized. Like, right, right. I have to they have to plan for yeah. a burial on right. the farm which yes they have to look at water epa yeah. whether they can actually do it depends on if we use you know barbiturates or right. don't use barbiturates right and then where do they want do they want cremation that's yeah. expensive it's like three thousand oh yes three thousand yeah. dollars for a horse yes <laughs> i mean then or do they want an autopsy mm -hmm. i guess you know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I talk about that with my wife because our dogs are getting older. Yeah. And she doesn't really ever want to have the conversation. But to be right. like, so, like, how much money do you want to spend exactly on this pet? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so our dog actually just had a osteosarcoma. Oh, jeez. And he had his leg amputated. Okay. But we opted not to do chemotherapy. Right, we're right. Like, dog's 14. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He can get six more months. He get you know a couple more months out of life with chemotherapy. Or, the right. dog's lived. I already spent three yeah. for his surgery. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's lived a good life. Fourteen. I don't know if I want to keep going. So. Yeah. And, and I think again, I think that's the sort of thing people. It's the same for humans too. Yeah. You know, people don't want to make their funeral plans. They don't want no. to make wills and things like that. Like. Right. Until they get older, right? Yeah. Like we're gonna avoid thinking about these things until. 
till it's really necessary. Or and it's it, too late and you don't have a will. Right, right, yeah. right. And and I think with, um, like you said something perfect, like for example, when I have a pet sitter, if I go out of town, mm-hmm. I, I and it, it might sound bad to people, but that's exactly what I, I have a money. Like, yeah. so like my pet sitter doesn't have to decide. Right what if it's right or not like i'm like i will go up to this amount and if the doctors are telling you it's going to be more than that then then it's time so like i guess for us like in the field like we see bad things when we euthanize like we do see the old horse right yeah and for us it's usually well doc you know charlie's 29 i don't go make another winter yeah yes okay that's fair because charlie might lay down and never get up again and right. he'll be frozen in the ground so that would maybe, be horrible yeah maybe we should do it before he yes. suffers yes so that's an easy conversation and like the the ones i struggle with are the younger horses uh-huh. like where you know we could fix them but there's a monetary issue yes. involved yeah yeah and then is there a way that you talk to those people differently or you think veterinarians <sighs> should talk to clients uh, i i think those are such hard conversations i know I mean, right they're they're the worst that's why we're here yeah <laughs> They're the worst. And I think it kind of depends a little bit. You know, those are the ones where the clients might get angry at you. Yeah, I'd imagine you get um, a lot of angry people. You, you know, is, is in, in because many of the times when people are angry, I think people have a, a very um, kind of skewed idea of what anger is or mm-hmm. what it, who it's toward. Because I talk to people a lot. Like, I have a huge threshold for angry people. Like, you got to be threatening my life mm-hmm. for me to be pretty phased by anything. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with anger if it's about a situation. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Like, this is going to cost $3,000. I could see where you're coming from. Like, yeah, yeah, it really, su- that really sucks. I mean, so empathizing with them, like agree, like, yeah, it really stinks that we have to talk about money in this profession and it, and it is a reality. Um, it is. Yeah, it, it does. It does suck. And a lot of times we probably don't talk about it very well. Yeah. Because you know, like we get horses in the hospital here where the their farm vets don't tell them the prices. Oh, yeah. That so happens. Having the small animal, too. <laughs> right. So yes. they show oh, yeah. up and we're like, well, these are our monetary policies. It's going to be six hundred dollars. Yeah. I need a credit card now. Right. Right. And they're like, what do you mean? My vet didn't say that. Like, right. We're not, I mean. That's I'm, another thing I talk to the students yeah. about a lot too. I do rounds with the behavior service and mm-hmm. I'm always like, listen, and this is true for anything. When you are referring your patients here or wherever, like set expectations. And I think that's a huge thing. If setting expectations and that, that can be helpful. And then if they come here and they know those things, you know, some of those patients, the clients maybe wouldn't even come if they knew that. And, and oh, that's yeah. okay. That's fine. Like for us on the farm, like, and we, it's easier because I work here. So I know. So they send the patients on the trailer. So the poor horse is suffering oh. for two hours and you're like, oh, you can't afford surgery. Well, you could have been just put down on the farm. Right. I'm sorry you had to like do this and your vet didn't tell you. So I guess for Oh clients, my gosh. Yeah. That's. And they're like, no, I don't want my horse. Yeah. I want my horse buried at home. And that's a logistical, it's a logistical yeah. nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's, I mean, that's why I tell people to get horse insurance too. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. it's like, well, Oy. your kid loves the horse. It needs $6,000 colic surgery. Yeah. You don't have $6,000 sitting in the bank, but if you had horse insurance, yeah. they would cover it. Yeah. And then you might have to like 
put on your credit card, but you'll be reimbursed pretty right. shortly after that. But right, it right. Makes those type of like yes. midlife decisions easier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for people. Yeah. How much? Do you know how much horse insurance is? Like, I don't. It depends yeah. on how they. So horse insurance, you can have like multiple levels. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. just have like you know mortality, and that's like if your horse dies, they pay you off for this okay. much. They can have med- major medical, which most people do, so yeah. they'll pay for surgery. Right, right, right. And then they have like loss of use, which is very expensive because yeah. you're like. But if you bought a hundred thousand dollar horse and you can't use it anymore, <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. I, I don't actually know what the policies. Yeah, cost, that's interesting. So. I'd be interested to know like how it differs from. Um, and how much is it in small animals? All over the place. I th- it is, and it's the same thing. Like I think for my cat, I yeah. have, and it depends on their age too. Yeah, of course, you know, as yeah. they get older, the price goes up. But like, I think it's like something like two hundred a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine, mine is just that emergency. Like, yeah. not it wouldn't cover chemo or anything right. like that. Hit by car, I don't want to euthanize my right. dog at twelve, right. at two right. years old. Yeah. yeah. So, if you had a client that is contemplating euthanizing their animal, uh-huh. are there like what steps are those clients going through? Like, what are they feeling? How do you help them through those stages? Well, I think like the pre. Pre and post death are, mm-hmm. are very similar. I think what I see quite a bit with, with really with both is guilt. And so when people are having to decide, um, a lot of times people are saying things like, like, why is, you know, it should be God's will or mm-hmm. why is this on me to decide? You know, I, I don't like that I'm having to decide this. And I think a lot of times they're just reframing things for them and saying, yes, that's true. And that that you know when we take a pet on in our life that's part of our responsibility wouldn't you want your pet would probably want you to be the one deciding this you're the one that loves them the most and Mm so a lot of times i'm just going back to their love for their pet and i kind of glossed over that before when we were talking about the money situation Mm -hmm. too i think with families just saying sometimes i know you know i know this is expensive i wish we didn't have to talk about this and the amount of money you have has nothing to do with the love you have for your animal. I know you love. Yeah. It might be as simple as just saying, I know that you love whoever. Yeah. Um, I remember one client, I said that once, and she just started crying. And I feel like people feel like they're judged mm-hmm. about things. Yeah, and I would s- imagine that because especially, and I try with the students to talk about all the options. Yes. And like I always phrase it, we could do this it could cost us much yeah i think in this case euthanasia is not and i always say it i don't know if this is correct i always say that it's not the wrong decision yeah like it's, yeah like i don't want to tell them like you have to euthanize your right, pet right. but it's it's, it's not the wrong decision like, yeah you can, it would be appropriate too yeah. i mean like an, an equally appropriate um choice would be this and they're they're all and i i'm glad you do that because that's something i say all the time like just put put it all out there yeah and let them decide and and really saying to them i think like i support you whatever you decide i support your decision assuming that's true i mean i'm sure there will be cases where you you might not support something but like well yeah in general like i think it's this like you have a couple of you not all the time very far in between but the ones where they're just trying to do everything yes yeah. They have the financial will to do it. Yes. And you're just like. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a hard conversation too. Yes. Because a lot of, not a lot of time, but a lot of times you can be like, well, if you want this thing, it's this much. And I hate to phrase everything in money, but it's, it's right, true. Right. We're a pay service. So yeah. like, 
but they have unlimited funds. Right. And they do anything. Oh, yeah. And there are veterinarians <laughs> out there that will take their money. Right. And do... Well, and I think the reality... I see that here, too. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, I think... Um, we see that a lot in um, small animal. And, you know, that's super stressful for the students and mm-hmm. staff that work in the ICU. You know, the people that are actually doing the care of these animals. And so that, you know, that kind of leads into compassion fatigue, you know, for the staff yeah. and everything. And Because they're seeing animals suffer. Suffer, you know, and I think it's a balance. I, I think those cases are really hard. And I think always trying to look at the, the whole picture is what I encourage people to do. Um, because, again, people who do that, they're not doing it because they want their animal to suffer. They're no. doing it because they can't let go or they don't, you know, maybe they have a, you know, moral, religious belief or whatever. It's not, they're not purposely hurting their animal. And so, like, and there's usually a story behind it. Not always. But, like, usually with those folks, there's there's something going on in the background. Like, they're, you know, like... There was a, you know, maybe once they had an animal that everyone told them to euthanize and the animal survived five Mm -hmm. more years, you know, or maybe this animal is related to a spouse that has died or like that. that, We see that for the horses because they live so long. Yeah. They're like, oh, this was my husband's favorite horse or. Yeah. We're gonna do everything we can because I think he's been reincarnated into the horse. Right. And you're like, oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. Like, um, yeah. How do you argue with that? And so you can't. I think sometimes, like, knowing those kind of backstories, it doesn't mean that you, as a clinician or mm-hmm. student or staff, are gonna change your mind about what you think the right, you know, the right thing is or the right time. But it might help you feel a little better just about the situation. Yeah, I think that's very very true though right because yeah. a lot of times as a primary care practitioner yeah. i know my i yeah. know all my clients you, right i've probably seen their horses yeah. for i've yeah. known them for 10 years usually you know the story so the students struggle though sometimes they've had this horse for 30 years they're not ready to let go like yeah I, we've talked about quality of life but they don't see it that way right. so i can't tell them to just euthanize your pet because right. that's it's their, their well decision. And, that, and i mean it is hard it's like we can't we can't force them to do that yeah and i think you know i do and it's it's obviously different but again with the large animal i think this would be hard a harder thing for me to justify but with the small animals i'm like listen as long as we can get you know give them as the maximum of the pain meds they can have you know like this animal's on a ventilator I'll be like well the animal's is not suffering because it's not aware of what's going Mm -hmm. on you know can we use meds to just knock them out like what is the legal amount or like the highest level of pain meds just make sure they're not suffering while they're here now with your patients that are they're not even in the hospital right so you can't be in the same thing with with the animals that go home they're like we can't legally have them on yeah pain meds there's not like true hospice like in i mean there there is hospice for animals but it's more kind of helping people get to euthanasia rather than like you know you don't have a fentanyl drip in someone's house (laughs) Um, maybe like i think legally though like with humans yeah you have that but the 
like the hospice nurses Nurse, and take people care. are yeah. there. Like yeah, the I don't think we're leaving fentanyl at the farm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, you don't want to do that. It's a little frowned upon. Yeah. 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 You know, like it's going to be a little bit different with your large animals where you, you can't completely knock them out. Yeah. Um, no, they, they don't do well laying down either. Right. I mean, right. They can't vent a horse yeah. for too long before yeah. they get really sick. So. So is there anything else you'd want people to know about prior to embarking upon the journey? I think, again, like, I think the biggest thing is really thinking about, and especially if it's a horse that is companion mm-hmm. rather than one that has, like, a job, is to kind of think about, like, what what are the, you, you know, what are the points when it would be time to euthanize? Like, what, I mean, not eating, I mean, that's obviously, yeah. like, a pretty clear cut mm-hmm. one. Are there other things? And again, I know horses maybe not aren't this aren't quite the same, but like are there things that the horse loves or parts of the pasture the horse always goes to? Like if it stops doing Those things, things yeah. like that, then maybe it's time to start thinking about it. Um, so having some more like as concrete as you can. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty subjective a lot of times but if there are any objective things again like the not eating um, might be one or like weight loss or weight loss or not able to get up like they're, well, they're yeah. getting stuck down a lot like, yeah i think that's time yeah to... but i think i you know i don't know if there's other situations where like again those all seem obvious or like yeah ob- quite objective to me like and so i'm trying to think of like su- like some subjective things i don't think there's mind. that maybe there really isn't yeah there's not that many because i feel like for dogs and cats it's like well the the dog peed in the house for seven days in a row yeah and he looks sad you know what i mean like, right the, right the horse right. lives in a stall so that's where he pees right like, exactly yeah yeah um or the cat's not using the litter box for, right you know, right vomiting every day like right right i think those might be more slightly more clear i guess with cats and dogs too it is more if they're laying around. Well, a horse doesn't really lay around. You know, it shouldn't like, be. Like, yeah, that's really abnormal. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that probably is. Maybe that makes it easier. That's yeah, maybe again objective. it goes back to the yeah. Because for when I did mixed animal, I would tell the clients to have a calendar. Yeah. And yeah. Like, when you have multiple bad days in a row, yeah. line up. Maybe yeah. it's time. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Life mm-hmm. scale that was based on some other ones that are very. Uh, again, like I, a lot of people, I will have them do that. We were talking earlier about yeah. when animals get older and maybe having that part of the yearly thing. Like, I'll have them. I'll say like, why don't you do this now as a bait? You know, as a baseline, mm-hmm. and then you know, depend. We don't know what the situation is, so depending on you know, are we gonna do this once a week? Is it gonna be once a month? I mean, again. It's going to be dependent on what the diagnosis is and everything. But, like, you know, to be able to do that and then the next time you do it, don't look at the first one and then you can compare them. Um, it's got, it's like got a Likert scale. And I know that's things can change. You could yeah. do the same scale two days in a row and it's going to be different, mm-hmm. you know, just based on what your impressions are that day. And then I also use that a lot with folks when there's multiple people making the decision. Mm. Um, especially if there seems to be some disagreement. So mm-hmm. I'll be like, you you each take one of these, mm-hmm. do them by yourselves, and then you can come back together and at least you can see like where the disagreements are. I mean, it's, sometimes the disagreements are quite clear, but yeah. like, so, like this might give you a talking spot to be like, oh, you think that Fluffy is lethargic all the time and I think he's never lethargic. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's really, you know, yeah, it's not some... Yeah, people's perceptions are different. Yeah. Like, yeah. So... 
I often will have, and again, I think with horses would be harder because, you know, the objectivity, but um, I often will have people bring other people in Mm -hmm. that aren't living in the home. So maybe it's a family member that knows everyone well, knows the pet, and might be able to give some more objective perspective on it. Or we see that a lot college kids coming home you know they're gone for three months and then they come home and then they're like why the hell is this dog still alive or why does you know they they look dramatically different maybe the weight has changed dramatically that like the owner's not seeing but yeah you don't see the gradual weight right Yeah. yeah yeah but when when you know, your kid's away and then comes back mm-hmm. and it's like three months later and the weight loss is, yeah. looks more significant. So sometimes I recommend that too, just getting other people involved. That's a good idea to get a different perspective. So, which is always good to having the vets come yeah. out too, because mm-hmm. you're seeing this horse once or twice a year. Yeah. Like you, if, and you said you, you see these people right. usually the for a long time. Yeah. You, you will know if it's different. <laughs> yeah, we know if it's different. But, yeah, every time they put the horse down, there's always, like, a, a large group of people. For whatever reason, everyone, uh-huh. everyone comes. Maybe it's being supportive uh-huh. of the client, but it yeah. always feels like we have, like, 10 or 15 people lined up yeah. for, the, for the process. So, Do you think that is family members, or do you it's think sometimes friends. it's, like... It's their social network at the barn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm thinking, too, of people who... Maybe if they're well, if they had the horse on their yeah. their own land, then it's that's different. a different yeah. story. But like I like I think of people who, they're the people that are in the barn. You know, mm-hmm. they they where their horses. Right. You yeah. know, other people in the barn yeah. that might want to be involved. Yeah, we know. had like you know, especially when you the worst are. Uh, like the lesson pony yes. who's like taught the kids yes. for 20 generations yep. and they're like hold on one more girl's flying home oh. and you're like uh, no this horse is suffering we oh. need to we need to yeah. go now but yeah. yeah they're like I'm stuck in trap I'm like oh, okay geez. and yeah they're 30 year old but I rode the horse 15 years right. ago right oh, but I think that's they nice want to that see. people are thinking of yeah no yeah. people like thinking to call yeah to call like in. it's Skippy's time yeah yeah, He's, yeah so yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, they live so much longer that they're going to have more in- yeah, people they, yeah. involved I mean, in their lives. you're looking at, like, 25 to 45 years. I mean, like, ponies are in their 40s. So, yeah. like, yeah, you could have have a lot of children and grandchildren on right, the same right, pony. Right, right, right. So, yeah, they keep going. This will wrap up part one of our part two series. thought we'd end with the thinking of one of our favorite ponies of all times and how sad we might have been when that pony, who probably taught us a lot throughout the years, finally had to be euthanized. Sorry to leave it on a sad note, but that pony probably has taught us a lot and we were very appreciative of everything we learned. I myself learned how to stay on better riding some very nasty little ponies. Again, uh, part two will be a little more about how we euthanize horses Um, And again, some of the grieving processes that people experience, which is normal for everyone. Basically, I think the outcome of this is to normalize the process of euthanasia and understanding um, what the outcomes will be and have clear expectations um, from your veterinarian and yourself and for everyone to be able to have uh, an adult conversation about the prospects of their horse's survival and what is the best course of action. 
given the situation at hand. Thank you. If you have any questions, please always feel free to communicate on Dr. Arley's Facebook page. Thank you.